wrestling fans, if you haven't done so already, please follow us on Instagram at Wrestling Change My Life. We post video clips from each interview on Instagram. So check it out at Wrestling Change My Life. On to the interview. I told myself in the tunnel, like I said, with losing in the finals my eighth grade year, losing in the finals my junior year. My senior year, I'm like, I'm not even going to look up at the stands. Like, I'm not here to be a fan. I'm not here to enjoy the moment. I'll enjoy it when I win, but I'm here to win a state title. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. It's Monday, August 15th, coming to you from the Windy, Chicago IL, birthplace of the baby back ribs. Our guest today is an Illinois legend, Ryan Prater, Illinois state champion, went on to wrestle at the University of Illinois, pinned Kellen Russell at the NCAA tournament, and then ultimately ended his career at Elmhurst, where he was a Division Three national champ. Today he works alongside Jordan Blanton at the Relentless Training Center Wrestling Club up in the north, quote-unquote, suburbs of Chicago. Ryan is an awesome guy. I grew up wrestling right alongside him, and we had a lot of fun recapping the old memories. So thank you so much for coming on, Ryan. And thank you to everyone listening. Before we get to this podcast, let's give a shout-out to our fan of the week, Foss Quam from New Orleans, Louisiana, a proud owner of a Wrestling Changed My Life t-shirt. You can, too, at store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. Last but not least, this episode's proudly presented by Spartan Combat, who's now accepting custom team apparel orders for this upcoming season. Go to SpartanCombat.com to place your custom team apparel order. SpartanCombat.com Now let's get to this interview with the great Ryan Prater. Ryan Prater, long overdue. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I actually, uh, I was laughing like driving in my car to get home before this, uh, the being on the podcast. I was thinking about you like in your uh American bandana or like your flame bandana <laughs> walking around. I'm like, oh, you knew he was for real oh, when he had that God. bandana on or the tornado headgear with like so much tape up top. It was <laughs> like you had like a like a headbutt pad on almost. <laughs> Bro, I did. Oh my God. You're bringing back the memories. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, the bandana was an American flag and uh, that was prime seventh grade 
2002 novice 79 and then uh the head pad was i i think that was what were you in eighth grade novice or senior 89 was eighth grade i was senior 89 yeah bro for the longest time in my grandma's basement outside of the whooping you gave me in that semifinals match my grandma had a picture of me and you wrestling and i had the headgear like every time i'd go to my grandma's house i saw it and uh it was just like man i i always remember that match and then Mid, I think it was the Midwest Classic earlier that year. I mean, I think back to some of those brackets, bro. It's scary to see those names. I'll tell you what. I think uh, I was trying to remember, like, some of my brackets in eighth grade. I mean, it's it's a long time ago. <laughs> but, like, I remember always having battles with Matt Tolbert. Um, I think he was probably had to be one of the strongest eighth graders and definitely had, like, a, a head full of cement. I remember <laughs> just how tough he was. Conrad Poles being in some of those brackets. I look back like the kids open, like uh like Starzik was in my brackets, Zach Taylor. It was just loaded with guys. Oh, I was looking back uh, in preparation for this. I didn't know you wrestled the great Jimmy Kennedy in the finals your junior year. I forgot I actually, about that. I have rest, I wrestled them uh so I wrestled them in IKWF as well, like my seventh grade year. I think uh I won like regionals and then I was supposed to win sectionals and ended up uh, like losing the match. And like, of course I go in the prelims and I rat tail right into Jimmy Kennedy. I'm like, <laughs> Oh man, you got like out of all the people to draw, this is who I draw. Come on. Uh, my dad's like, at least you're going to follow him through the wrestle backs the whole time. You'll be able to get <laughs> on the podium. And then I wrestled him my freshman year um, at the Barrington tournament. I was at 103 went before it was 106 and I I mean I probably weighed 99 pounds 100 pounds and Jimmy comes in looking like he-man with an eight pack and <laughs> just huge muscles I'm, I look like a, a 13 or 14 year old boy I'm like this hopefully it goes well I'll do what I can <laughs> um, and then yeah my junior year I, I was starting to mature physically and growing into my body so it was uh, it was actually a, a, a lot more competitive match. We had a good game plan going into that match as well. Bro, you did, and we'll get into all that because I didn't realize, I mean, that, that's one of those brackets I do remember going through it and looking at that bracket and being like, geez, that was crazy. But I don't think people can realize, though, when we were in middle school, so folks listening, we're the exact same age down to basically a T, same grade, everything. <laughs> when we were in IQWF, I don't care if Kale Sanderson came to the tournament. Jimmy Kennedy was a bigger name. I swear to God. <laughs> Jimmy Kennedy could could walk on water. There were <laughs> there were tales of him being like, you'd be in the bullpen. Everyone would be like, that's Jimmy Kennedy. He's the number one 10-year-old in the country. Like, I don't even know if they had 10-year-old like rankings or anything, but it was like people just talked and knew. They're like, this dude's special. He's going to do something big. Like, he he's the biggest name right now. And, like, when you said that, I remember – Midwest classic, like uh, some out of state people came like Aaron Hart came from Ohio and it was like the biggest match ever. They're like 11 years old and the, the, the gym's like packed, sold out. People are going crazy. Look like a college duel for yeah. like 11 year old wrestlers. It was, it was, Dude, it was wild. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember hearing like, man, he's a five time Trinity winner. You know, his dad has a corporate <laughs> jet come to find out his dad's just a teacher. And like, it's just it was ludicrous, and the shit we believed back then was I, I'm, I'm I really hope kids today aren't a, as into it. But man, I was like hook, line, and sinker. So and like, dude, you came up. When did you switch to Martinez? So I started wrestling in fourth grade. I was ten years old. 
I was playing uh, basketball before. Huge basketball fan. I was playing point guard for the YMCA <laughs> in Joliet. Uh, my dad was a wrestler. He's like, we got to get him into wrestling. Um, I, I went to like one camp and I'm like, I'll try it out. I went to a camp, met the Smith brothers from Plainfield. And I'm like, Hey, this is kind of cool. Like I'll give it a try. Wrestle my fourth grade year. I go 44 and four. And I had like 30 pins. I was just a, an athlete. Um, you know, I played baseball, football, basketball, wrestling all growing up. And then, uh, I didn't know you could like go up. I was only 10. I didn't know you could get bumped up to novice and qualify for state. Um, we were just super green at all that stuff. So then my fifth grade year, I wrestled for Plainfield wrestling club, uh, which would be my second year ever wrestling. And I went down state, um, knew I wasn't prepared, but it was just a cool atmosphere being around there. And then I, uh, I had wrestled some people from Martinez that year. It was when the, I got the first taste of it at like the Yorkville tournament. And I was just kind of like, who are these guys? Like I saw how they carried themselves, how Jose was in the corner, went to one of the clinics and uh, me and my dad had talked and we wanted to start wrestling elite tournaments. If that wasn't kind of the direction that the Plainfield wrestling club wanted to go, maybe not everyone was ready to wrestle in elite schedule. I thought I was, and it was, it was a tough decision. Cause I, I love playing field, but I knew that I needed to grow. So we switched over and, and sixth grade year, uh, I went to Martinez. That was my third year wrestling. It was the best move I ever made in my career. Dude, Jose Martinez, absolute legend <laughs> right up there. Wizard. With, oh Wizard. my God. We were talking at nationals, man. He had series for every move printed out and i i would just go to the clinics in the summer like maybe just like like three days looking back on it but totally amazed at the level of detail all you guys were doing every day now my drill partner was vince hannon so i never got actually got a move in but uh (laughs) but uh, i tried my damnedest and uh i just remember like every like you the guy would step a leg up you know like we're talking rainbow cradle man there was just so much detail everything was uh there were like packets of things i think the best people shout out to like ronnie and joey ucardi yes they went to martinez and uh within like one summer they were like robot like machines like robots they knew every single thing there were like from bottom like with your side to the wall, stand up, sit outs, uh, like just 50, 60 different moves. It was all chain wrestling. Like that was the biggest thing was all chain wrestling. And, mm-hmm. you know, me and my dad have conversations all the time. I think Jose is arguably the greatest kids club coach that there is like the people that have come out of there. Um, and the stuff he knew he was so far ahead of his time. Uh, just the film that he watched, he would come in. We were doing stuff that like European and Russian wrestlers would do. And he was so like unimposing. He would come in like in his teal combat speeds and like swim <laughs> trunks, <laughs> just like start running one of the greatest practices you've ever been a part of. What do you think made him so good? I mean, he, he was so like relaxed and reserved and quiet. It was almost like a Kale Sanderson approach. Mm-hmm. Um, just like how quiet he is and how composed he always is. You never saw him like riled up. You never saw him rattled. He was such like a professional and so confident in everything that he did. It rubbed off. You watch that as a kid and you're like, well, I'm a part of this. Like I'm confident too. If he's confident, I know that he gave me everything I needed. So then I'm confident as well. I think that he, he never really liked, uh, 
he was never in anybody's corners for the state finals matches unless you like bagged him or asked him. He always wanted to sit up in the nosebleeds and just watch the matches and not be a part of it or like steal your moment at all. Like that's for you. And you're like, no, you, you got me here. Like I want to share this moment with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think he was just so like reserved and obviously Nathan and Israel, they had been on crazy levels of wrestling um so i mean he was exposed to such high level wrestling but i think that his calm nature he watched a ton of film like i said when now looking back at it i get it but when we were doing it we're doing like weird stuff you're like this isn't gonna work and everything but i think he was just so far ahead of his time watching film on all like european wrestling and russian wrestling and Azerbaijan, georgia iranian wrestling like he was super up to date with all that stuff before we even had like flow wrestling or anything like just watching vhs tapes yeah and he like shied away from the temptation just uh to go super hard like he spent a lot of time drilling and i'm sure there was a lot of live wrestling but what was like that like we drilled a ton um i remember one one day the lights went out and, and we thought we were going home we drilled in the dark so we drilled we drilled religiously and maybe live wrestled out of an hour and a half practice, two hour practice, maybe like 15 minutes. Everything was always series. It would be like uh low single. Everything we learned how to do was to this day, I wrestle. I, I'm ambidextrous. I don't have a problem shooting lefty or righty. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even prefer one really. I just wrestle. Everything you learn how to do, low single, left-handed, low single, right-handed, low single, left-handed high crotch, right-handed high crotch, left-handed outside single, right-handed outside single. Everything was we were doing it both hands or it was just like, well, what are you going to do if you need, if you hold your right hand, you got to just not shoot. Like right. he was just so in tune with, you're going to need to learn how to use both of your hands or you're just not going to be on a high level of wrestling. It's such a good way for kids to learn too. I mean, like I, at that time, <clears throat> overtime was getting going and that was kind of like a different approach. This was like a way to really develop just mastery with kids was Jose and not Jose, but was Nathan and Israel coming in there at all? So Izzy was in there. Uh, Izzy and Nate were both in there. They were they were in and out because they were older. Izzy was, um, he was at North Idaho uh, College JUCO, mm-hmm. um, and he would like bring back some of his teammates or some of his buddies. Um, like Ruben Villarreal would be in there, or Nate Dog would be in there. Martinez, like they they would just be scrapping and doing their own thing. Tannenbaum would be in there. Um, so you were always around good company. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they would kind of scrap in the corner and then we would just kind of be scrapping and, and doing our own thing over here. But just being around, like, I mean, not to, just the guys that were on your team, like Nick Fanthorpe and Benefield. And um, we were laughing the other day. I'm like, it, it was like expected. You walked into Martinez and I think there was only two ever five timers, Tony Davis and Izzy. And Izzy's in there. We have mm-hmm. one of them. And then there's maybe only like at that point, like five, four times. And we have them, Benefield, Fanthorpe, Brian Dyer. Like we have all the state champs. We have the best kids that have come through IKWF. So it's like, it's expected and you just walk a certain way and you feel a different way being around that. It just kind of rubs off on you. Definitely. And it was evident when like you would go to tournaments and see the Martinez guys. And I love how like, you know, coaches sometimes they want to sit in the corner and recruit these clubs. Like you said, Jose didn't even sit in the corner most of the time. You wouldn't even know he was the main guy. He kind of walked in the shadows. My dad coached at Martinez, so my dad sat in my corner a lot. 
Um, but yeah, Jose kind of, if it was up to him, he was like, my guys are prepared. I'll just sit in the stands and watch. Like, what am, what am I going to be able to do really outside of like match management or time management to change anything? Like these guys are prepared. And if they're not prepared, then I'm taking mental notes and we need to go back to work and change some things that we're doing. But he was super confident in his preparation that he didn't really need to sit in the chair. Right. And so how close were you to going to a private school in high school versus Plainfield Central? Uh, I mean, obviously at Martinez, we practiced in the Montini room. Um, so I was at Montini a lot. You always were kind of like, I want to go to Montini. Um, Vince Hannon went to Montini. And everybody that was on the team, like Mikey and all those guys, all went to Montini. I had actually taken a step-up day to Joliet Catholic. Um, but they're – at that point in 2004, their wrestling team wasn't, um, I mean, near today. It's, it's fantastic. What they've done at Joliet Catholic is, is awesome. When I was going to go there, it was like almost non-existent really. Um, we had thought about Providence. Providence was like the big heavy hitter. Um, just a super tough program to make the lineup. But when it came down to the end of it, like, I, I wrestled at Martinez. I played baseball in Joliet. I played basketball in Joliet. I really only played football in Plainfield. I kind of wanted to be with like my friends and I was going to have success or achieve what I wanted to regardless. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather just do it in my backyard. I had traveled so much that I was confident in my training. Um, and I was like, Hey, let's, let's go to Plainfield. I had a good group of people with the Smith brothers being there. And then Jeremy Ellingwood, who was a two-time finalist when I was uh, in, in the finals. So, I knew I would have what I needed. I had great coaches there, Paul Ferris and Jim Kappas, who were, ended up being parts of Montini and Joliet Catholic. Um, so I, I knew that I had, I needed what I, or I had what I needed to win. I didn't need to go anywhere, but yes, yeah, you always wanted to kind of, I grew up going to those duels, the Providence duels in the nineties and stuff like that. And you're like, wow, this is crazy. Like I'd love to be a part of that, but yeah, I, I wanted to stay at Plainfield to do something for Plainfield. And people got to realize here, Ryan Prater is a uh, is a man of social graces. He probably had friends everywhere, man. So you weren't like one of these kids that's like a like a robot who didn't ha have any friends. Like, was, <laughs> like yeah, yeah some of these to. maniacs, bro. They don't. They're just like they're just heads down working, man. Not not Ryan always, Prater. It was always fun for me, man. I uh, I mean, now that I'm older, I'm I'm a lot more reserved. Back then, though, I was I was uh wild or a talkative kid I, I was running for president at every at every tournament i talked <laughs> to people from all over and now i just am super quiet kind of keep to myself and everything <laughs> Dude, that's funny man i remember a lot of a lot of confidence coming from ryan prater back in the day and it was it was well deserved because i was looking back at the bracket so first year down to state in the old double a which was a grinder didn't place did you yeah. say and I remember you making like a pretty drastic jump. Would you say it was after your freshman year or after your sophomore year? I would say my freshman year, I kind of just needed that year to, to mature physically a little bit. Um, 103 was tough for me. I had had some success. I had placed at the Dvorak. I came out of my regional and sectional was the toughest coming out of the Providence Sandberg regional and sectional. And I had Jeremy Johnson who took third that year, who was a senior. Um Jeez. But I would say the biggest jumps were going into my sophomore year, I hit a, a huge growth spurt. I probably was like five foot or five one my freshman year, 100 pounds. 
101 at the end. And then my sophomore year, I was like five, six, five, seven, 120 pounds. I started cutting to make 12 and it was like a huge difference. Like I just, I grew and it helped my scrambling and it helped how I wrestled to being a lot bigger and, and just physically stronger. I, I kind of hit a little bit of puberty, right. uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it helped a lot. I would, I would say going into my sophomore is when it started to kind of change, change directions for me. And when did you start wrestling freestyle? Um, we kind of did it at, at Martinez a bunch. I mean, they were super ingrained in the freestyle stuff. I never really like went all in cause I played, uh, travel baseball. I played, tra- uh, football. So I wasn't like a year round wrestler. I couldn't really be a year round wrestler just cause I was involved in, in so many things. So I missed out on that freestyle season. I stopped playing baseball and football my freshman year of high school. So then okay. about my freshman year, sophomore year is when I started wrestling freestyle. And that's, that might be why I had a, a, such a huge difference in my, uh, the way that I was going or trending. I remember watching it freestyle state. And like you said, not previously seeing you there and so i can't believe you were still doing baseball though through all that yeah i actually went to i was at like the nabf world series in ohio i played in cooperstown new york like i was on a really good uh really good baseball team my dad coached me on that too my dad's always been like super involved if i was playing football he was doing that if i was wrestling he was coaching if i was playing baseball he was he was coaching so he was always right next to me it would take me if they had the best baseball team or wrestling team on Mars or the moon, then he'd figure out a way to get me there or drive me there. So dude, it was, he was all parents there. were awesome, dude. I will never forget this. I Dvorak freshman year, you were at one Oh three. Um, yeah, to that. This was when it was, I think it was at Glen Bard even, um, no, maybe it was at Harlem that year. But anyway, we were in the same bracket. I think it was I, at Dundee Crown. Dundee Crown, thank yeah, you. Yeah, Dundee Crown. Bro, <laughs> I, uh, like you, <clears throat> very small one Oh three. And I won my first match. My next match was Brian Spangler. And I remember your dad literally saying, give it your best. And that was <laughs> fucking 82 second pin, bro. That was it. It was just, I had no business being out there. I'll never. He gave you the same advice as he gave me against <laughs> Kennedy. Yeah, man, give it your best. You you can do it. And you bro. just kind of looked at him. You're like, I'll, I'll try. I'll try. If I'm on the interstate going to a sales meeting and I pass an exit for any of those towns that Dvorak used to be held in, that'll come to mind and I'll never forget it, bro. And it's just <laughs> 20 seconds here and uh, 10 seconds there. It's so funny. But now your parents were awesome. Your dad, your mom, I remember them like it was yesterday, bro. And so, okay, soft, so sophomore year, get on the podium. That was big. But then your junior year, you come into this death bracket. And I was looking at some of the names, just yeah. killers, a lot of college wrestlers. You make it to the finals. What What are you thinking during the Grand March? Um, I was actually like super relaxed. My junior year was kind of like a weird year. I got hurt. Um, and then I, I sat out for like a month or maybe like three weeks to a month. I had a knee injury. Um wrestled Dvorak even though I was told not to I was just like I'll wrestle Dvorak I'm fine I know what I'm doing took like seventh place at Dvorak um wasn't ready to uh to come back or kind of rushed it maybe I shouldn't have come back that fast my mind was telling me I was ready my body physically and just my my conditioning and shape weren't where they needed to be uh with the competition that I was wrestling um but going into that bracket I knew it was going to be tough like you said on the podium I look today and it's like me Jimmy 
Kyle Hutter, Mario Morgan, Ted Sarkowski. I mean, there was like five division one wrestlers. And then the only guy that wasn't division one wrestler was Mario Morgan, who very well could have been, was a division two national champ and a two-time finalist. Like all six of those guys could have been division one wrestlers if they wanted to be. Yeah. How did you start in the pigtails? Uh, so I had actually wrestled that regional. I had Kyle Hutter in the regional finals and then in the sectional finals. I lost two decent matches to him. Kyle was always a phenomenal wrestler. Um, I'd never really wrestled him in competition. I knew I needed to see him a couple times um, before I could kind of start to get some timing, but his offense was so good. It was going to take me a while to kind of get used to used to it. So he ended up beating me in the sectional finals. I have, uh, if I remember correctly, a, a super tough, like, pigtail matchup uh mike magawa from saint rita who is just a tough uh just a kid that's gonna battle you and make you earn everything i'd wrestled him like three or four times that year so i knew like i'm gonna have to earn it i'm gonna have to go out and wrestle as hard as i can usually the first match i always needed to wake up a little bit not a good matchup that you need <laughs> to wake up he's gonna come at you for six minutes so i knew if i could just get through that get my feet wet a little bit the pressure would be off and i'd start to get into a groove and start to find my way yeah dude i miss that old format the starting friday morning and if you yeah. lost no guaranteed wrestle back that was scary yeah. it's a lot different now when i go i'm like man this is so long like the thursday friday saturday like these poor kids gotta make way three days it's terrible that's crazy and it, it eliminates that big quarterfinal matchup on friday like when yeah. you were a senior, you and Zimmerman, that had to be a big one. That was, that was probably one of the biggest, uh, my senior year. That was the, that was probably the biggest, um, just cause I had been teammates with Steve and Disney duels in a couple places. And I was, I mean, 47 and one, my senior year, that was the only loss I had in the Dvorak finals. And you had guys like Derek St. John and stuff in that bracket. Ooh, um, really? That was your only so loss? One, yeah, that was my only loss was to Zimmerman, uh, three to two, I believe. He he reversed me with like 15 seconds left. So that I, I saw when they came out and I had him, I'm like, um, this is my chance. Like I, I knew I wanted to wrestle him and it didn't matter whether it was the first round, the semis, I was going to have to beat him to win a state title. So it, it didn't matter to me when it was. It's just, all right, here he is. I'm going to see him in the quarters. It's going to be time to wrestle. How'd that one go? He was always like, he was the best at just, I don't want to call it diving and discredit him. It was like, he was so good at getting to a single leg and just getting his hands locked, regardless of if he had bad positioning, he was, you couldn't like break his grip. He was so good there. And when you thought you had him dead to rights, crushed underneath you, like he always could just suck one back in and put you in a bad position. So it was, you always had to be paying attention to what you were doing and how you were scrambling. Um, it was, it just came down to, I think I got an escape and a takedown in the third and wrote him out for like 45 seconds to win. It was going to be super tight. I knew that. Yeah. Um, Steve was a kid who, who's also super relaxed and wasn't oh going to break. God. It was going to be, he was going to go the whole time too. I say, Oh my God, because you took the words out of my mouth. Like that kid, I remember several times for like finals walkouts, everyone would be all serious, be a uh, stocking cat on, <laughs> bro. He would walk out with like a skateboard helmet, like a, like a special yeah, he helmet care. sometimes. Like he was he just winging it. It's probably what made him so dangerous. He Dude, so seriously. Loose. I, Because I, they came down to the tournament we hosted, the Geneseo Bicycle, where Iowa City West would come. Crazy, I think, crazy tough tournament. Yeah. Yeah. No, and they had those, like you said, you had the Nate Moores of the world. 
um, yep. St. John's, Dylan Carew, and like there were some bloodbath yeah, matches. Yeah, shout out Carew. His team uh, is killing it right now. His guys are are phenomenal. Big game is looking great. Really? That's so. That's the other big club out of Iowa right now, besides Seabolt. Seabolt and, and Big Game. Big Game's looking very good right now. So that's Carew. Yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. No, that that was a great team that went through there, and I forgot they went to Dvorak as well. So this was like. I mean, I know yeah, they wrestled some... a lot in Illinois, it seems like, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, th- like I know that now the national tournaments are like crazy, you know, but I don't feel like there was that many back then. And if there were really weren't that many, not that many teams in Illinois were doing those like the. No, Iron no Mans. one was really going to like Iron Man. There was like the beast and stuff. I think when we were at the Dvorak, there was only there was like three teams from out of state. And it was like Iowa City West. It was like Vista, California. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually might have been it, but it wasn't like people coming from everywhere, and there weren't a lot of out of state. I think you had the Clash and the Cheesehead, which were big. Um, yeah. But yeah, those guys, the Dvorak was was up there, but there weren't too many teams coming from out of state. Right. But at the time, it seemed like the toughest one, and it was probably like a solid top ten. But looking at it now, I mean, dude, there's so many opportunities for these kids to wrestle, and you and Jordan Blanton are running a, you know, a it's a, a training academy. I was going to say a training center, uh, but we'll get yeah. into that. But it so you, you're on the kind of the pulse of what all these kids are doing now. But, bro, before we sign off on high school, the scramble heard around the world. <laughs> this is, folks. I'm like, what's an interview without the scramble? Oh, right? my it. God. First of all, the legend of Cartese Lloyd for me started when this kid was in eighth grade and I, uh, IWF merged. The Twisters come back. He had Mario Morgan throwing kids around. You had Cartes Lloyd bombing kids like it was scary. And his freshman year, he was at Mount Carmel, comes down to the Bi-State, Tech Falls, Nate Moore in the finals. And the Iowa people were slack jaw. They couldn't believe it. And then he misses weight at sectionals and then gets kicked yeah. out of Mount Carmel. So he finds his way back to a public school. Always a threat. Senior year, he makes it to the finals. You make it to the finals. Had you wrestled him before that? I had not. He was... uh I think he was like 30 and Oh too. Um, we didn't see Bremen at all that year, but yeah, he's a guy that had a phenomenal kids uh, career. Everybody knew who he was. I think he had wrestled Jimmy that year at Mount Carmel too. And he had lost like six or like a one point match or something like he was very decorated. You knew he was, he was very good. Very, very, very good. Very talented. Oh my God. It, it's, and I wrestled his brother that same year, actually in the wrestle back insane. Camp, speed. Yeah, Cameron, yeah. yeah. I mean, lightning speed. And and so you guys get in the finals. Was there any takedowns before overtime? He actually took me down in the first period, um, which usually didn't bother me. It, it took me a while. Like I said, if I got taken down, I kind of woke up or it, it broke like the anxiety and I kind of got my feet wet. I didn't really want to be in low scoring matches. I kind of took the approach of like an Arturo Gotti, Mickey Ward, like <laughs> I wanted to slug it out and have a, the highest pace possible. And it might be, a 20 to 22 point match, but we're going to see who's got the legs and who's got the bigger heart at the end. I wanted your foot in a tire and let's just wrestle the whole time. Right. Um, so I didn't see him, but going into that, I knew um, I would have to kind of set some traps or get into some scrambles to take it out of him. He, he was so strong positionally. He was so good. And like I said, he took me down in like the first 30 seconds of the match. And that was the only takedown. Uh, I got an escape at the end of the first and then I got, I, he chose bottom. 
Um, Did you write them? Yeah, I wrote them out the whole period. Whoa. Which is usually how my career went. Top was top was really good for me. Um, and then I got an escape in the third, and it was two to two, and we, yeah, we went into overtime. Bro, in this scramble, I will never, <laughs> ever forget it the rest of my life. There's a few matches that stick out in Assembly Hall. Definitely Blank and Spangler, because I was, was my first Man, year coach. Yeah. And that <laughs> one, everyone was standing up. I'll never forget that one. And this is another one where the absolute ebb and flow of this situation. I'm sure it's out there on YouTube, but man, this scramble was absolutely insane. Do you have any memories of it or is it a blur? Uh, I know my dad does. I think he was ready to jump over the the railings. He, he would have rather just have me get a takedown and call it a day. Um, I don't really remember a lot that was going on um, just because in those type of moments, you probably black out or, or they're hard to remember. Yeah. Um, I just remember like thinking, kind of how the scrambles are in college or how they are now like just don't stop wrestling just keep wrestling if there's a I was always a kid that was like if there's a way to get out of something or how to do it like I can do it I can find that way just keep battling and find a way to to just keep moving and I just kept it's it's been programmed into me for so long to just keep moving keep trying to improve my positioning maybe I can find something as long as I don't give up I remember like five resets, like just dude, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was. I like watch it now, and I think it was like he tried to like duck me. I was. I like went for a go behind. He does like a Gramby. We end up in this like goofy position. Um, I'm like in double unders, like a UFC pulling guard, like ticking <laughs> him off of me. Yeah. End up like in an outside single and just dump him. Um, yeah, it was, it was wild. It was wild. Your reaction was awesome too, man. You were just overcome with emotion. That was amazing. Pure, man. Pure. I told myself in the tunnel, like I said, with losing in the finals, my eighth grade year, losing in the finals, my junior year, my senior year, I'm like, I'm not even going to look up at the stands. Like I'm not here to be a fan. I'm not here to enjoy the moment. I'll enjoy it when I win, but I'm here to win a state title. Like I'm not leaving assembly hall without this bracket board like that's how obsessed and important it was to me i'm like there's no way i'm taking second three times like i am gonna win a board you were all business dude that's awesome all business <laughs> in my mind i was freaking out but i'm like i'm yeah. all business <laughs> wow and then i didn't realize this but you went on to the nhsca nationals that year yeah so that was probably one of my best uh summers just wrestling. I had gone out to tournament of champions in, in Ohio and had a 65 man bracket and ended up winning that. I went to the AAU in Detroit at the Superdome and won that as well. And then I went to senior nationals and was in the finals. Um, so I, I put together like a, a, a crazy off season. I had also wrestled Disney duels and had only like one loss as well. Um, wow. So I, I only lost once or twice like the entire out of like 30 or 40 national matches in the off season too and had you signed with anyone before state your senior year i was super late um i had no idea what i wanted to do um i i was thinking about back then like central michigan was a big program i knew connor and they were a, a super tough program i had talked to and and not gone on a visit, but uh, had been on the phone and and had talked about numbers with like Northern Iowa. Um, I was I was talking with Northern Illinois. I liked Missouri. Um, trying to find a school that suited my style of wrestling. I the minute I met 
Carl Perry and was around Carl Perry and Mark Johnson, it was like, I'm going to Illinois. Had they like not Carl, reached out to you before Carl that? Just, uh, that he had like cornered me a little bit in Fargo my junior year was kind of like hit me in the side, like messing with me and stuff. And then my senior year, he had come out to sectionals to watch me wrestle at or regionals, watch me come wrestle at my high school. Um, they had come out to my high school to talk to me, him and Mark. And then, uh, he was out in Virginia beach with me and, and sitting with my parents at senior nationals and everything too. So he was kind of like planting that seed. He knew what he was doing. Nice. Um, yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy that even back then, man, that a, a runner-up as a junior to Jimmy Kennedy, it's not like a guarantee to get Illinois like come and call. Like, it was a little bit of a, a fight, and then you, you went state and you put together a great senior nationals, took second, and then yeah. when did they make the offer after that? Um, I would say fairly after that. Like I said, Carl was out there with my family. He kind of was like, "All right, this is my guy." And we had kind of talked and I went on another, I went on a visit. Um, and then, yeah, the almighty Mark Johnson, when he starts talking to your parents and you, it's, you're just kind of like, uh, I think I need to go here to do what I need to do. No one wears a sweater vest like that, man. And he, he rocks it. Like <laughs> I love Mark Johnson, like Poeta, Poeta comes on here and he'll be like, people think, Mark Johnson pays me to talk about him. I feel like I fall into that category sometimes. Like I am just obsessed with a guy from the quad cities of all places. And like, he was always just that picture of him all jacked in the red single. Like that yeah, was, at, the, at the state banquet. You're like, Oh my God, Jesus. <laughs> so he comes call and he's like the Lord of the living room. He gets everything squared away. You get down to champagne expecting to red shirt Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Troy Terrapelli goes down. How did you hear about this? I'm in uh, my dorm room and I'm watching like all the updates and everything, watching the matches. I don't even know if it was on, was it on flow? Maybe, I don't know. I, can't remember. I, don't, I don't remember. I was like, look, maybe I was just looking at the brackets or something in my dorm room and I'm like injury default. Like that's weird. And then like my phone rings and I flip it open for all the kids listening. It was a flip phone. <laughs> uh, and it's like Mark Johnson. He's like, Prater, what's up? And I'm like, Nothing. I'm just in my dorm room studying. Had to tell him I was studying. I don't know what I was doing. Probably, <laughs> probably watching movies, hanging out, not doing what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and he's like, "This is the deal with uh, with Terapelli. Are you ready to go?" And at that point, you're like, "Oh, like, am I ready to go?" Like, your heart sinks a little bit. He's like, "Big Ten dual seasons coming up. I just turned 19 in October." Um, and like you said, you're thinking you're, I'm going to red shirt. I'm going to, I'm going to get a little bit more physical for 141 and, and kind of get my feet wet. Um, but when he calls, I remember hanging up the phone and being like, Oh my God, like, I think I'm in the lineup and calling my dad right away and being like, Hey, I'm in, they just called like, I'm get ready to come to the duel. I'm in. And I think my dad was even like, Oh shit. Like, Yikes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How were you going in the room before that? I mean, I was having success. I, I, I was runner up at the Loris open. I lost to Tara Pelly like six to four and I had beaten CJ Edelson from Northern Iowa, who was ranked like 18th in the country, three-time NCAA qualifier. That was like my second college match. Wow. Um, and I had beat him seven to two. I had wrestled the Missouri open, uh, in the fresh soft division and teched, like teched my way to the finals. I, and then majored my guy in the finals. I bonus pointed my way through the tournament. Um, so, I mean, I was wrestling well and 
it, it does take a while for you to get your first real college takedown, especially in that Illini room when you're wrestling with Jimmy Kennedy and Gabe Flores and everybody. Um, but I think that I was confident and I think they had confidence in me that, you know, I might not have been having some of the best practices, but when the lights were on and it was time to compete, like I like to put on a show and that's, that's where I like to wrestle. Yeah. And like, that's, that's what I've heard you say before in conversations is that like your <clears throat> lifestyle outside the room wasn't always as conducive as to your, no. like what you were, when did this start to start to develop this uh, outside the room kind of uh as far as my lifestyle yeah the like was it like freshman year or like like it's like sophomore year the grind starting to get to you then you're losing a little focus or like do you... um i would say probably my senior year of high school going into my freshman year i was having fun um like you said i was always a social a social guy and wrestling just came kind of so easy to me me being like an athlete Mm -hmm. that I thought I could have maybe a lot more fun and maybe wasn't putting in the time or the respect for the sport that I probably should have been right. When you get to college, of course, you know, it's 19 years old to get into the bars at, at Ch in Champaign and I'm 19 in October. So, you know, maybe there was some experimental stuff going on there and, and some growing and maturing. Um, but you know, if, if you're in the big 10, eventually that's going to kind of catch up to you. Right. Uh, whether it be your first year or second or third year, it's going to start to take a toll on you. Um, but yeah, I probably needed to be training a lot harder than I, I was never a practice guy practice since it, it, it was tough for me to get excited to, to go to practice or to compete in practice when it was time to put that single down and go out in front of a crowd. Like I was, I was ready for war. Yeah. Um, but the practices were just tough for me to get going. And as Maybe I didn't enjoy the process as much as I should have. And that's probably like the opposite of what you're preaching to the guys now, right? It's like the, <laughs> the complete opposite. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> like, well, coach, I know you were doing this. And I'm like, no, I was young, just like you guys. I thought I knew everything. I, it turns out I, I didn't know anything at all. But you had the thing that's impossible to coach, though, is the confidence in the big moments, which that, yeah, if you just feel like you either have it or you don't, man. Like some kids are super dedicated and, and do all the right things, but whatever reason, they don't have that part. And then obviously the great ones have both. Yeah, I think um, when it's time to pull the trigger, it's time to pull the trigger. It's time to go or you're going to miss your opportunity. Uh, the biggest thing with these kids is just being ready for the moment. I have a lot of guys I coach that that's kind of what we preach and talk about is like, don't think so much. You're, you're overthinking it. It's a, it's already a complicated sport. When we think you just make it more complicated, like right. just relax. And when the moment comes, just be confident and fire it off. Like, or, or you're going to miss your, that might be the one chance you had to win that match. And you thought about it too long and, and missed the opportunity. You need to be relaxed and loose. And when it's time to go pull that trigger and see what happens, well, you'd be surprised what you could wrestle out of if you just put yourself in there. Dude, it's amazing to hear you say that because that's what it looked like from afar and to hear you like know that that was your philosophy. It makes a lot of sense. As you're, as you're battling through Big Ten season, your first year, your second year you make to the Nationals, did you ever have like a heart-to-heart -heart with Johnson where he brought you in and said, this isn't going to work, like this kind of like lifestyle? Like you have all the tools or like... Um, yeah, it was kind of, you know, my sophomore year was like a real weird year. Uh, I think the lifestyle was catching up to me. I was like homesick. I wasn't doing the best in school. I think mentally I was just kind of 
checked out and beaten beaten down a little bit um yeah. you know wrestling is such a long season from november to march almost late march is so long and the big 10 season i mean we're wrestling friday sunday duels even when we're not in the big 10 season you're wrestling fr- one duel we were at pittsburgh on a friday and west virginia on a sunday like we're just, you wrestle and travel so much and academics were a struggle for me. So when you are traveling, you're not doing well in school. You, I mean, it just all kind of took its toll and it was just more weighing on me where I was so anxious and worried about other stuff that my mind really wasn't even on wrestling. And in the big 10, if you're not focused or your mind isn't there, you're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. And like, there's nowhere to go. Like you, you're like the third week of January, not you specifically, but anyone going through that. And almost every guest who comes on, who is in the big 10 as a true freshman, we talk about this, but like third week of January, fourth week of January, it's dark. It's depressing. Yeah. You're cutting weight. And then like, you got another six to eight weeks to go. And like, really you've been going, you said November, but I got to imagine most of these programs yeah, you're the going tra- as yeah. soon as like September, <laughs> you're right? Training. You're yeah. training early, but yeah, you're, you're going to practice when it's dark, you're going to 6am lifts and you're leaving and going home uh, after practice when it's dark because you're practicing and then you have to take care of yourself in the training room and manage your weight and stuff. So you're going to practice when it's dark and you're coming home when it's dark. And it's when you're a kid, 19 years old or whatever, you're just like, man, it's fun, but this is, it just kind of sucks. Like sometimes you're like, I want to be a normal student like these other kids. Dude, and I remember the the first time, or not the you know like when you were going to school and you didn't have wrestling. Like, man, what do these kids do all the time with this free yeah. time? You know, you're like, how are yeah. you just a normal student? But so, and then your you know your sophomore year, it was an awesome, awesome situation. I remember watching it and being on Facebook and seeing the reactions. You pinned Callen Russell, your own five against yeah. him, bro. That was it was amazing. I'm sure you would have been, you know, you were so close to being on the podium, but dude, that alone was a it was an incredible win and just like you said, the ability to go out there and even though it hadn't gone your way previously, just to let it rip. Yeah. I had wrestled Kellen five times. Um, my freshman year, he beat me eight to seven. Um, I had wrestled him at the big tens and he beat me like four to three. I had wrestled like three or four, like one point matches with them that I had maybe like, I mean, one time he really put it on me, but like three or four other times, it was like a takedown with 20 seconds left, mm. just uh super tight matches. And I'm like, man, like, if I could just get him one time and Carl Perry was just always like, it doesn't matter. Like any time could be the time. This could be the time right now. And it was, I just remember being like, it's zero and zero. Like I'm just going to turn this into just a fist fight and hopefully I'll set some traps. We'd watch some film and I'm like, maybe I'll set some traps and he might walk into one of them this time. And I got lucky where he, he shot a single state on his knees, I, I believe. And I kind of caught a, a ankle wizard and broomstick them and he wasn't really paying attention. And it doesn't, I mean, in scrambling, it, it, it doesn't really take me too long to get, to put you in a bad spot. And yeah. I, I just got my hands locked on something and I'm like, oh my God, this is so tight. There's, he's not going anywhere. It was, was one it, of those things you knew right away where I'm like, I'm going to pin him. Was it a splato or like a cradle? He shot an outside single, um, got the corner and my leg, I, I was in an ankle wizard. Um, it's hard to explain. I just kind of like somersaulted and caught like a ball and chain with my leg across his, <laughs> his chest almost. I'd only seen like one person ever do it. And it was, uh, I think like Keith Gavin and Askren, somebody did it to each other in, in the finals of like maybe the 07 NCAAs or whatever. 
Um, wow. but yeah, I'd only seen it once and that's, that's kind of how it happened. I mean, I didn't draw it up like that. Carl was just kind of like set some traps and maybe we'll walk him into something, keep it tight. Um, but he was always so strong. He was, had the best positioning. Um, like he wasn't going to give you many looks at anything. And the minute he cracked a tiny bit, you needed to be able to go, or you probably weren't going to get another look at anything for the rest of the match. He was so solid and just technically he was probably one of the best guys I'd ever wrestled. Yeah. You said it's so solid, man. The guy was just disciplined every aspect of position. He, I mean, he knew how to win. He was just a winner. You know, yeah. me and Jordan say it winners win. He, he won all the, he, he knew how to win tight matches all the time. He, he always won. Yeah. I mean, he, I remember watching him in the finals against Jimmy Kennedy of all people at Fargo one year. And that's the first time I heard of him. And I was going to ask you before we move on to Elmhurst and life after Illinois, what was it like, you know, you had wrestled Jimmy Kennedy in your, your finals, your junior year, super tight match overtime tiebreaker. Then you start wrestling him again at Illinois. What was that like? Had he made a lot of jumps from being at Illinois or like, yeah. how does that go? Yeah. Yeah. A, a ton of jumps. He had been, uh, I think he had, he, I mean, he placed or maybe, I think he was in the Midlands finals his freshman year. Um, so him just being ex like to go through a whole big 10 season when I had got there, you know, I had gotten very good too, but Jimmy was just, he had already had that experience to where, and I didn't, it was very noticeable. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, he felt just completely different and I knew it was going to take me a while to be able to get that type of experience before I could start to wrestle like that. But yeah, he, he felt completely different. One big 10 season can, can make you completely different. It was Poeta. not to mention, not to mention with his work ethic and, you know, he was a big Jeremy Hunter guy. They, I mean, he, he worked with Jeremy religiously, so he, he got so good. So he was like, what are those guys just going all the time? Oh yeah. They, he lived in the wrestling room. Dude. And Poeta was a senior or junior? Poeta was a junior um yeah he was so i got to wrestle as a teammate with mike for two years and then he was one of the assistant coaches my junior year got it i mean love mike poet a huge illinois illinois podcast here and you know i i love that he after the season did the illinois tour and he went to all the high schools and he's like yeah you know, he's doing, he's doing everything right, man. When we were just a massive fan of the, the Illinois. Mike's staff, the man. Right? Yeah. They, they came out to the training center, me and uh, Jordan and all, all the relentless guys were just up there at, uh, at the golf outing. When you were talking about Johnson, I'm like, I don't know how old Mark Johnson is, but he punched me so hard in the arm before <laughs> I teed off that I almost couldn't play golf for the rest of the day. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. It was like 17 years ago. Dude, like, just, just leave me alone. He is unbelievable. Every time I interviewed him, I interviewed him for the Tony Davis documentary, and I knew the interview was going to be very short, just on like the brief amount of time he recruited Tony Davis, which is not long. I was nervous, like I was interviewing Gable. Like I get yeah. so yeah, I, that guy is just man. There's a there's just a presence about him. Like even at the golf outing, everyone's like, "That's Mark Johnson." Like there's a presence about him that you just everybody knows who he is. So what was the final straw your junior year at Illinois before you embarked on, on the comeback tour? <laughs> um, so my junior year too, I had, I had always beaten good guys. It was just, my lifestyle was keeping me from probably being consistent. Like you were talking my sophomore year, you know, I beat Molinero at big tens that year, uh, 12 to three in Penn state. 
What? And then I pinned Russell. Um, that year I'd also beaten Mike Thorne from Minnesota 10 to nothing at Vegas. Um, Jesus. And then my junior year, I'm in the semis at Midlands. I ended up taking fifth, but I mean, I pinned Montel Marion for fifth and six in a minute 20. Um, so I was always beating and competing with, with the best. It was just, I probably wasn't making the right lifestyle choices outside of the wrestling room. And that mixed with just my inability to kind of get used to the academics and stuff, or just the lack of wanting to kind of just created this whole thing. Um, you know, it was just a, mentally, I was just checked out. I didn't really want to be at 141 pounds anymore. Um, and that doesn't have anything to do with, I didn't want to cut any more weight. Um, and like I said, it was a lifestyle thing. I could have made the weight. Um, if it falls on my shoulders, it was, it was my, my fault. I should have been aware of my weight a lot more and been a lot more mature about the whole situation. But I think just mentally, it was kind of like, I just, I'd never gone into a tournament and not really wanted to be there anymore. And it kind of felt like I just mentally just kind of checked out and didn't really want to be there anymore. Dang, bro. That's crazy because the, the guys you're knocking off, like you said, I mean, how yeah, it was names. terrible, man. I watched, I, uh, I come home, I think I was doing something and I come home for the NCAA is always like a fun thing to watch. And I'm watching like Montel Marion in the finals wrestle Kyle Dake and just two months previous to that, I had pinned him in a minute 20. Wow. So you were already back at home for the nationals after that. Yeah. I didn't stay at Illinois too long. I kind of went after big tens, cleared out my locker and I was just kind of done with the whole Illinois thing. And then how did you end up coming back to Elmhurst? Uh, so I was actually, uh, uh, I didn't wrestle for like four years. Um, just coaching at all or no. Yeah. I coached at Rantoul high school. Uh, and then I was just helping one of my buddies. I was working at his landscaping company. I just think that maybe with everything that happened in Illinois, like I wanted a break mentally, not physically, but mentally away from the sport, mm -hmm. um, where it wasn't as intense and tight, uh, go coach like some lower level, like just smaller one, a or two, a high school wrestling, just so that you're not on a collegiate big 10 schedule. Um, the landscaping was perfect. I love doing landscape. Now Harry helped me clear my mind. Um, but I was just trying to stay away from wrestling. And then Marinetti gave me a call like three years later. He's like, what do you think? Like Benefield's here, Bullard's here. I'm like, well, not this year. Like I just, I'm just still not mentally ready. I'm watching. I'm like, I'll watch the NCAA tournament. So I'm watching and I'm just kind of getting my girlfriend. Well, my wife now, but we, we've been together for like 11, 12 years. She was in my apartment. I was watching it. And I'm like, just kind of getting fired up and watching my weight class. And I'm like up and like shadow wrestling a little bit. I'm like, I'm Let's coming go. back. I'm coming Let's back. Like, yeah. And she's like, sit down. You're embarrassing yourself. Like <laughs> she, she kind of gets it, but she's like, what are you getting fired up for? Like, I'm like, this is something I have to do. I called Marinetti. I'm like, I'm coming. Like I'm ready to go. And, and I'm like leading up to this though, like in the three to four years you're out, you're working you're working landscaping. You're, you're doing like the normal, you know, being an adult. Are yeah. you like driving around to jobs thinking about wrestling, like having regret or are you feeling good about um, the decision? I think like the biggest, a huge turning point that I tell my dad was probably, I didn't, I mean, I was still watching division one wrestling here and there. I think the biggest thing was watching Kellen Russell, wrestle Montel Marion for a national final. Um, and being like, man, like, 
I, I might have like messed this up or blew that opportunity watching these two guys that I had competed with and had, had beaten like wrestle for NCAA titles. Um, that's kind of, that kind of ate at me and was like, I need to take more of a professional approach and understand the situation that I'm in and not mess this up again. And like yeah. I said, I think that was a big turning point where I was like, I think I cost myself. I didn't realize how much I had cost myself until it had happened. What's well, at like, Elmhurst? It was all business. Really? Cause you came in and I love that. I told Steve, I was, I, when he told me I was in, I got into school like two days before it started, went down, wrestled with him. Uh, like on a Saturday or Sunday, they were like helping me with my schedule. I was in on Monday. Didn't even have a place to live. Went and got an apartment. I'm like, all right, let's do this. Started running, biking. I told Steve before the season had started, just get me into Elmhurst and I'm going undefeated and winning a national title. And that was like my whole <laughs> mindset. If I'm coming, I'm coming to do it right. Um, you know, like I said, I think a lot was weighing on my shoulders with the Illinois thing where I was like, well, I'm going to come back. I'm going to show everyone that when I take this serious, this is, this is what I'm capable of and what I can do. And I took it dead serious from an academic standpoint and from an athletic standpoint. And so you didn't train at all that summer, like nothing, no, like no mat work, nothing. I was just running a little bit. Uh, I liked biking a lot. I was riding a lot of bikes, um, but no, I didn't really have much mat time at all. I wasn't really wrestling. It kind of took me a little bit to get going. Just uh, like the timing of things, my scrambling, my shots, uh, just like a boxer who's been out of the ring for a long time. Right. It took it took me a while to get the timing and the distance and a lot of that stuff back. Marinetti's the man. And the fact that he's yes, pulled guys. He God, dude. I mean, talk about an animal. Him knocking off Lincoln at Carver. Oof, it doesn't get any bigger than that. That's got to be, I think Dan Gable, I think he said that like Lincoln McRavey is probably one of the best Hawkeyes ever. Right. And to be able to knock off Lincoln McRavey, not only for an NCAA title, but to do it in Carver is, is like insane to me. Like I can't imagine what that atmosphere was like to go in there and beat that man in his own gym. And for Mark Johnson, who used to coach with Gable, he's going back to Carver, Ernest Binion wins. And then Marinetti wins like two in a row. Like (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, man. Steve, uh, Steve funny. So Steve was just out at the training center. Um, He's, he had like, uh, his back was super sore. He had to get like a bunch of shots in his back just for pain. Um, and, and he's supposed to come do like a little bit of a clinic. He's like, Oh, well, I didn't know if I was going to show anything. I'm like, no, you don't have to show anything. He's like, I'm showing stuff. If I'm coming out there, I'm showing, I'm wrestling. I'm like, <laughs> all right, man, if you want, like, I'm just letting you know that you can hang out and, and just watch. But if you want to show stuff, you're, you're more than welcome to. Get He's like, there. that's the dog in him. He's like, I'm showing stuff. And not only that, I might wrestle too. <laughs> so what was his, like, what was his philosophy like as a coach once you got in there? Like, you're talking like, now we're in the thick of it. Like, Feb works. I know you got hurt, and then you came back, right? Yeah. So, like, wh- how was um, he as a coach? Yeah, I got hurt. I was on, like, a roll. I was wrestling really well, and I got hurt. They thought I tore my uh, meniscus or my MCL. It was at National Duels, and which kind of sucked because it was like, man, I'm, I'm – I'm getting into a rhythm. It was going to be perfect going into like the regional. And then I sat out and missed uh, like six to seven weeks, almost two months. Uh, my first tournament back was the conference tournament. And Steve was, it was just, uh, we laugh now, but I wasn't a huge like weightlifter either. So our <laughs> trainers like giving me all these squats and everything for rehab. 
And I'm telling Steve, I'm like, I'm here to wrestle, man. You're turning me into a power lifter. Like this guy, I'm, I'm getting more sore doing this. Just let me relax <laughs> and ice my knee. And then I'll come back when I'm ready to come back. But this is, I think it's making it worse. <laughs> Bro, you are a nut, man. Coaches are probably like, what is it with this guy, I was man? definitely a different, a different cat. And it took a different cat to deal with me. Man. <laughs> so you go into the Nash, Division Three Nationals. And I freaking love Division Three. Co-College, Elmhurst, uh, Lacrosse, some of my favorite programs. And yeah. you know, my brother wrestled at Co, so I love those guys. But, dude, I, it was such a relief. Yeah, I never wrestled in college. And when Tanner was wrestling at Co, to go around these programs and see like the culture and the teamhood that these programs had, it was just absolutely amazing. And I, I couldn't recommend D3 more highly to, to more kids because I don't think people realize just what it's like to be at that Big Ten level. Like that is a special, special person. It's, it's tough. Yeah. D3 was, uh, it was phenomenal, man. Like you said, it's, there's a lot of tough, it, it goes unnoticed maybe be just because it's not as broadcasted, but. My bracket, the, my quarterfinal match was Vinny Fava, who transferred in from Ryder, a mm -hmm. Division One transfer. My semifinals match was Hartenstein, who was an Easton PA kid who transferred in from Maryland and then went to Wilkes. Mm -hmm. And then I had a five-time New York State placer and, and a champ in the finals. So it was like maybe just the depth isn't there, but – there's plenty of studs in division three wrestling that don't get the credit. Maybe yeah. like I said, just because they're not on TV or whatever, but there's, there's plenty of good wrestling in division three. And what weight class did you go that, that year? I actually was going to go 157. Um, and then when I started working out and getting down, I went 149 and it wasn't even a cut. There were days I was leaving practice and I was like 153. Um, so 149 was super easy for me to make. It was a lot more manageable, I'll say, than, than 41. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I mean, that's that's a lean, especially when you were at 135 as a senior. Yeah. Um, and uh, now this has been good, man, to go through all this because this is like the exact era of what I remember. And like you were a big part of a lot of my younger memories just at being at the tournaments and, and, yeah. and seeing you. And so you uh, – you know, I was actually at that nationals as well when you won uh, the division three nationals. And it was awesome to see you doing like the, the closing of the book thing. Like yeah. it was, a, it was a big moment, man. I mean, what, what members do you have of that one? When I'll that tell one? you what it was. Uh, it was awesome to close that chapter and to have my mom and dad there, my parents there. Um, actually my, my wife was there. Uh, that was, yeah, it's, that was eight years ago. It was 14. So yeah, my wife was there. Um, her parents were there. Blanton and my sister-in-law were there. Um, so it was, it was cool to end the storybook ending with a, with a national title and to have everybody there. Um, yeah. it just felt right to, to tell my parents that we had closed that book and now it's time to do some other things. I love it, man. And now, now you are, you're domesticated, you're house trained, man. You're up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm house trained. I'm domesticated. Man. Whichever way you want to say it. I'm all of them now. So, so tell me how you got looped up with the great Jordan Blanton, man. Well, he became my brother-in-law first off. Um, so How long ago was that? Um, so Jordan got married, I can't get this wrong, 2020, I think. Um, I think he's been married for three years now. And then uh, I'd been with my wife um, kind of on and off for like 11 to 12 years almost. Damn. And uh, yeah, we got married. We just got married in October, the day before my birthday. Nice. Congrats. Uh, so yeah, we're, thank you. So we're, uh, we've always been teammates on Illinois Inferno, Fargo. We roomed together at Illinois. 
Um, so it, he's always been close with me, but you don't usually get to pick your brother-in-law. So to have one of my old teammates and have Bland as my brother-in-law, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. And then I was kind of doing my own thing in Plainfield, but when I got married, obviously I had to come up here, you know, you follow your wife's family, not yeah. mine. So, every time, every time. Yeah. I, I'm a smart man. I'm like, if you want to live up here, I love Spring Grove, Richmond area. I'll live up here. That's fine. <laughs> uh, me and Jordan, I'm just kind of, I was working on the house. He was kind of doing small basement stuff with some kids, three, four kids. And he's like, Hey, what do you think? What do you think? I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I want to come over there yet. Like I was just kind of doing stuff on my house and I'm like, all right, I I guess I'll come over there. And and it never left. Once I went over there, it was like, all right, these kids are, I love coaching these kids. What else is in this area? We came up with relentless, like on a napkin out to dinner. And it was like, this is what I want to do. This is what you want to do. Let's put them together. I think we have a great coaching staff. Let's, let's build something special and let's see what we can do. And for folks who don't know, Relentless Training Center is the name of your club and it's yeah. high school kids, all age. Like, how does it work? So uh, right now we're doing just like a college showcase for, for the high school guys. We got colleges coming out and, and doing clinics, probably three to four colleges every practice. Um, sorry. No problem. Getting some, getting blown up, man. We got some big no news, problem. some no big problem. news as well outside of this, but um, so yeah, September, October, we do four days, but at one point we had probably a hundred and 110 kids in the club just a couple of months ago we had like 25 to 30 like we had we do nine and unders we've done uh middle school group and then we have high school kids so probably 60 high schoolers split into two rooms and then a middle school group and then a nine and under like a tots room so do you do it at the high school or do you have your own facility so we have we were at the barn uh out of on blanton's farm uh <laughs> i love the barn man it was like rocky balboa type stuff you come down the gravel road you're out in the middle of nowhere I mean, we're in Joliet. We weren't doing much wrestling in barns, uh, no. but up here, I guess we're wrestling in barns. So I was like, <laughs> this is cool. Now we got, uh, we're very fortunate to have a good network. And uh, Jared Carlin who's a phenomenal wrestler has a, has a building in Johnsburg and allows us to, to run relentless training center out of there. Um, awesome. And then he moved to Florida. It sucks. I wish he was able to, to stay around and to be a part of it and see, see how everything was going. So all the mats, like I've seen, I was looking at your guys training for Fargo and like all the, like the words on the wall, is that all mats that you guys have put up and no, that's stuff that they did, man. They had such a great, uh, wow. that's, like a, that's a legit room. Yeah. Yeah. It's a legit room. They've done phenomenal things in there. Um, there's been a lot of great training centers run out of there. There's been a lot of great kids that have come out of those rooms. So like I said, Jared, Jared and Clay Guida actually like put together, um, with the help of some other people like the Johnsburg Spartans and that's kind of where they were practicing. That's like their IKWF team. And then we kind of came in there and uh, are just running like a training center for extra off season training year round. So are you doing like a charter IKWF club or keeping it non-affiliated? Uh, just keeping it non-affiliated. We have, there's a lot of good IKWF teams out here. Um, and they're already there enough that when the season starts like high school, we only go, on Sundays, just one day a week. Cause these guys are doing so much mm -hmm. um, in the summer. We kind of take over and, and, and the kids will come to us when they're done with their IKWF teams. And maybe those kids or coaches need a break from a hundred yeah. to 200 kids. <laughs> so your big, your big time of year is what April through, through Fargo. And then in the preseason, it feels like it never ends. Yeah. We were out <laughs> in, we were, we drove out to Fargo. We were out at Northern Plains. I was at the showcase in the uni dome. I was, I mean, we've been everywhere. Um, but yeah, usually March, April, 
up until uh, October 30th and November 1st, we're, we're super busy. Wow. That's a great combination of coaches because you and Blanton are, take a different approach at, at, at wrestling and, and just like a different <laughs> – I mean, I, I couldn't think of we a better like combination. Call, I think you said it before on your podcast. We, we always crack up laughing. We're like, it's more of a good cop, bad cop approach. Uh, if you've seen like other guys and I'm like, I thought you said bad cop, bad cop, but we're both yelling, <laughs> but no, it's a good cop, bad cop. You no, know, Jordan, I actually just left the meeting and with Jordan and Jordan does like most of the talking. He's so like professional and he's just in his wheelhouse with doing all the talking. And the guy we're in the meeting with was, was probably like, man, this guy doesn't talk at all. I, I had to tell him like, I, I just listen, you know, Jordan does a lot of talking. I listen and make sure everything is going right. <laughs> so is this news shareable or we're not, we're not ready to share news yet? Whatever. you guys um, been... Yeah, it's, it's shareable depending on when this comes out. <laughs> but I would say, so the meeting, this I is left, how, this is how planned I am. This is planning on going live in about 25 minutes. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, um, but we don't have to reserve. You can tell me off there, but uh, yeah, people <laughs> think this is some planned out thing, folks. I'm, I'm getting by, by the skin of my teeth here. Every, everything I do is, I mean, I guess I can announce it then. Let's it's hear it, baby. Bad. Let's hear it. So I left uh, me and Jordan just left a meeting with, with Mary and central Catholic. Um, and we're going to be taking over and accepting the, it'll be a co-head coaching job. So me and Jordan will be coaching and running the Marion central Catholic hurricanes wrestling oh, program this year. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. Yeah. That's super a, excited, man. So Huge where's, opportunity. Where's Marion Catholic at? So it's in like Woodstock. Okay. Is that where Marinovich went or is that that's Chicago? What, so that's Marion's uh, Marion central. This is okay. uh, like Dylan Connell. Okay. Um, a bunch like they, they, I think 2020, in 2019, they took third in state. 2021, during the IWCO, they won it. Um, David Silva and Fernie Silva built, and Jim Herp put together like a, a great program. And now I'm, I'm excited to be a part of that. And wow. it was just a huge opportunity. You know, I'm trying to better myself as a coach and grow, and I have aspirations. And I feel like this was a big opportunity that I couldn't say no to, to, to grow myself as a professional and, and try to be the, the best coach that I can be too. I'm always trying to learn and get better. Absolutely. So are the guys who are there still there or just you two are running the show now? So me and Jordan will be head coaching this year and then Jim Kerf, uh will be there. There's, there's some good guys on staff. Um, you know, they have a great team. I'm excited. I have a lot of the guys uh, at relentless training center with me right now. So I'm excited to, to get to work, man. It's right when I, right when I'm ready to go, I'm already watching film. I have my notebook. Like I'm, I'm good to go now. I'm, I'm ready to, to, to chase titles and to, to chase boards, man. Right before you said that, I was like, man, these guys probably get a little lonely in the winter with, with the season going on, but here <laughs> not we go. anymore, man, not anymore. It, it never ends. I'll tell you what it's, it, it's tough. It's a lot. I'm, I'm a, I have a full-time job as well. I'm a sales consultant at uh breakthrough beverage, formerly Wurtz beverage. Um, so I, I do that all day and then I have relentless training center at night and Marion being a private school, it was, it was perfect that we could get around our schedules and, and be there without hindering our full-time jobs and, and not cheating the kids in the program out of their experience as well. So we're able to run Marion and do our jobs. I always say it's, it's perfect because people are probably like, what do their families and wives do? You know, they're right there with us. My yeah. niece, you know, Jordan has a four month old, my niece and my sister-in-law and my wife are at the gym every day. The, the kids 
hold the baby that they, they know our wives. Like we, we we're super ingrained. Relentless is like a family. Like everybody knows everybody. And you know, they're excited too, for this, for this new chapter for me and Jordan. That's so exciting, man. Like you said, it's a private school. You have a little bit more freedom. So is this a one, a two, a three, a they're one, a right now. Yes. Look out boys. Look out <laughs> all my, uh, I grew up around a bunch of one, a schools and, uh, I like to give them a hard time about it, but no, they're, they're, they're good people, but dude, Josh Albert, where you at, dog? You're in the crosshairs. Yeah, Josh, love Josh, is, Josh Albert. Josh is the man, dude. Josh, oh. Josh is the man. We love Josh. One of the one of the greats. Love the Albert family. Well, dude, that's so exciting, man. And we've gone a long time here. And I just want to say, you know, thanks for coming on. And it's it's been great to see you and Jay Blanton building the program. Shout out to Jay Blanton Plumbing before we get off air. Always, always God, shout out to Jay Blanton Plumbing. They're the best. Got to, got to give them <laughs> some love. And it's also like you guys are in it for the right reasons. Like I saw the picture of Jordan giving the the kid from Chicago Hope the singlet. You know, what was Roy. that all about? Yeah, yeah. Roy. <laughs> Roy's the man. He's got a lot of fans too. Yeah, man, it's all Relentless is, man, is we're trying to create an opportunity and just open things up for these kids. If it, I mean, I'm here to help kids. Um, I feel like this is my tool to help people and, and to give back and, and to do what's right. So it's, I take it serious to, to help everybody in the community. And even if they're not in our community, like, you know, wrestling is such a cool thing that you can give experiences to kids. So this is, yeah. this is my tool to help and, and kind of give back. I love it, man. It's so cool. You're doing it with a friend and, and, and Jordan Blanton and probably makes it a lot more enjoyable going through everything together. <laughs> so, so easy. So easy. <laughs> dude, I love it, man. Well, it's been a, it's been an honor to have you on Ryan Prater long overdue and uh, congrats again on the new, uh, the new position and also just the growth of relentless, man. That's a, that's a crazy number of kids to, uh, to have in such a short time. Yeah. We're two years in, man. I'm excited for, for what the future holds. We got some studs, uh, that are, that are about to graduate or that are getting to that point. So we'll start to have our, our, uh, college guys dumped into the atmosphere. I'll say, yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're excited, man. Like you said, when, when you're doing it with your family, it's so easy. It's not even a job really. Absolutely. And you know, nine guys at Fargo. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And dude, freaking. I was going to say man. now get up to relentless training center. I had some good lunch today. We'll take you out to Fratello's. They're like these Italian beef egg rolls. Um, it's Dude, phenomenal up wait. there, man. You'll, it, it's quiet, but you'll love it up here. The food's great. It's funny because I live in Lakeview, and I have some friends that live in River North, and they act like Lakeview is is uh, <laughs> is uh, where you guys are at. And so we're so, up here, man. We're up here. We're how, right on the border. Man, I, I was looking at the map today. I'm like, would you even consider that the Chicago Burbs? I'm like, you would, but it's like it's getting out there. But I'd love to come up there, man. I I, I it's long overdue, and um, yeah, man, I uh. Got some stuff coming out. I'm getting married in a, uh, three weeks here. Congratulations, man. So, man. Thank you. Thank you. Then after that, I would love to, though, man. And then we should do a little uh, Albert Relentless Training Center dual meet. Let's get everyone that was going. Our first, we went out to his place uh, during COVID when we nobody could really wrestle. We, we took all our Relentless kids and took them out to Albert's uh, place in Dakota, filled the gym, like two, 300 people in there. Um, <laughs> with restrictions mayor, and everything everyone had the mayor of dakota out there they had the fire yeah. chief had we went out there chief. and wrestled man it was it couldn't have been a, a more perfect atmosphere for these kids it was fantastic i love it man wow well, no like man said, i appreciate i appreciate you having me on and, and everything that you do I, I watch all the podcasts i'm sure you know everybody watches them you have such a big following like just anything we can do to create buzz around wrestling is super cool i think wrestling's in the best place that it's been in a very long time 
Um, yeah. So if we can just keep trending, the podcasts are fantastic, man. You've had some, to be on here is an honor. The people that you've had and talked to on here is, is ridiculous. It's cool to reconnect later in life, man. Going back from the 03 IKWF tournament, full circle here. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that- when you come up to when you come up here, I want you to wear that bandana. <laughs> <laughs> I will, man. That is uh that is, it makes me sweat thinking about that, but I will do it. And I'm gonna try and find a picture of it and repost it because I know yeah. exactly what yes. you're talking about. Yeah. And people can't re- imagine how ridiculous this looked, but it was my fear tactic back then. That's all we it had. It was the best. I was scared. <laughs> I'll I'll admit it, it made me scared at work. It intimidated the hell out of me. <laughs> Bro, I love it, man. And then, uh, like you said, the future wrestling, though, I don't want to forget this point. You have some ladies in the program that got on the podium this year as well, right? At Relentless? Yeah, yeah. Kira Daphnis from Wakanda and then uh, Crystal out of Grant High School. So, yeah, we had two girls' place as well. Girls' wrestling couldn't be in a better place. Um, like it said, it's just trying to create uh, just opportunities. And it's awesome how girls' wrestling has just exploded and taken off. It's Absolutely. only going to create more opportunities for everyone else. Hundred percent, man. It's I, I say this all the time, but it's like, in a weird way, it's gonna not in a weird way. It's a pretty obvious way. It's gonna save you know college wrestling. So it's yeah, it's awesome, man. And and you guys are embracing that. And nothing but the best to you, brother. We'll be in touch soon. Awesome, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Congrats again on the wedding. Thanks for listening to this episode with Ryan Prater. If you want to support this podcast, please go to Instagram at Wrestling Changed My Life and give us a follow. You can also support the show by going to SpartanCombat.com and placing your custom team apparel orders for this upcoming season with Spartan Combat. SpartanCombat.com. We'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life.